This is a Soulfire production. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have such an incredible guest. I had so much fun recording this conversation, and I've been so excited to release it. Today's guest is Christina Mand Lacchiani, who is the co-founder of Mind Valley. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Mind Valley. I feel like the only advertisements I ever see on YouTube are Mind Valley. So the algorithm clearly knows me. <laughs> but Christina has been in the personal transformation industry for over 17 years, and she is an international speaker, entrepreneur, artist, and mom of two. And she dives into all things personal transformation, authenticity, understanding and accepting yourself and how to truly find happiness. She has been recognized as one of the top 10 influential people online making a difference in the world today, which I can absolutely see why as I've gotten to know her work and through our conversation, she's truly incredible and has such such an interesting, unique, inspiring story. She actually started her career in a government office in Estonia, was extremely successful, ended up moving to New York, started Mind Valley with her husband at the time, and the company quickly grew into a global educational organization offering top training for peak human performance to hundreds of thousands of students all over the world. Since then, Christina has developed her own brand and business, and I particularly love her work around hacking happiness which we talk about in this episode, as well as entrepreneurship, building a global business and taking it to other countries. We talk about self-acceptance, self-love, all things happiness, and it is a really expanding conversation. So I'm super excited for you to tune in. And if you want to learn more from Christina, you can head to her website, which is christinamand.com. And her Instagram is at Christina Mand. Links will be in the show notes. Before we jump into the episode, just a reminder that for this weekend only, my courses, Abundance Accelerator, No BS Biz School, and my Psychic Development course are all 25% off from November 26th through the 29th. So if you uh, have been wanting to sign up for any of my courses, now is a great time to step into that. If you want to gift any of these to any friends, you could purchase with their email. And if you want to take advantage of the 25% off sale, then all you have to do is use the code BFCM21 at checkout, and that will give you 25% off. You can find all of my courses at christinathechannel.com slash courses, and all of this information will be in the show notes. Quick rundown, Abundance Accelerator is where I recommend everybody start if you are looking to step into some of my courses. It is super foundational, and it is all about aligning yourself with the energy of abundance and teaches you to effortlessly manifest abundance through shifting your energy. So it's foundational work for effortless manifestation. We talk about all things abundance and really how to align yourself with abundance in terms of money, but also relationships, love, health, soul, self-expansion. It's a really, really shifting course. People have had incredible breakthroughs and manifestations through that course. No BS Biz School is if you are looking to build an online six-figure, multiple six-figure 
business. If you are a coach, a healer, a trainer, and you're looking to build your business through social media organically, No BS Biz School is for you. I cover all things strategy and energetics when it comes to online businesses. And the psychic development course is exactly what it sounds like. It is for anyone who is interested in opening up their intuitive gifts, developing their clear senses. If you're looking to tap into your intuition more deeply, more seriously, then the psychic development course is for you. So again, all of those courses you can find at christinathechannel.com slash courses. You can click on the individual courses and check out all of the information, everything that's included. Everything is self-paced, so you can do it on your own time at your own pace. You have lifetime access, and you can also check out testimonials from uh, different clients who have been through the programs. So again, to get 25% off, just use the code BFCM21 at checkout, and that discount offer is going to end at the end of the day, Monday, November 29th, 2021. That is it for updates this week. So it's time to jump into this episode. So enjoy this conversation with the incredible Christina Mand. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or having trouble with your sleep, I totally feel you. I have been there and one of the most helpful things I ever did for myself was got my hands on some Ned full spectrum hemp oil. Not all CBDs are alike. You want to be really careful with sourcing and quality, but Ned truly, truly changed my life. Super high quality and I felt the difference. Helped me naturally get rid of my anxiety and depression that I had been struggling with for a really long time. It also has played a huge role in reducing my inflammation that I was dealing with from my different autoimmune diseases. And the lingering symptom I was having was trouble sleeping. And since using Ned, I sleep like a baby. I cannot recommend this enough. If you struggle with chronic pain or inflammation, I highly recommend checking this out. I like to use the 750 milligram full spectrum hemp oil every morning and it just evens out my uh, mood for the day. And the way that full spectrum hemp oil works is it supports the endocannabinoid system, which is like the body's balancing system, so to speak. So it basically regulates all of the systems in the body, which is why since using Ned, it not only helped to balance out my cortisol, but also my sex hormones. Their full spectrum hemp oil helped me get my period back after it was missing for four years. I truly can't live without this stuff. And their Ned sleep is the absolute best thing I've ever used to support my sleep. I sleep so well. I get so much rest and I used to wake up every morning feeling like I wasn't rested at all, no matter how much sleep I got. That, the Ned Sleep, plus the Mellow, their magnesium, have completely changed the game for me. It is a super absorbable magnesium, the best magnesium I have ever tried. And I have tried a lot from my years as an NTP and trying all the supplements, all the things from all of my years struggling with chronic illness. These are must-have sleep products for me. So if you struggle with sleep, if you struggle with anxiety, these are things that completely changed my life. And that is why I feel so passionate about sharing them. So if you head to helloned.com and use the code Christina, you will get 15% off your one-time order or 20% off your subscription, which I highly recommend getting a subscription. Again, that is helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com and use that code Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A for 15% off a one-time purchase or 20% off your subscription, which I highly, highly recommend. Ned will change your life. 
Christina, hello. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you so much. It's nice to be a guest. Yeah, and I'm glad we can make this work with the with with the time change. I know you're over in Estonia, so I appreciate you working with the time zone difference. Before we kind of jump into all the juicy stuff, I have a couple of rapid fire questions like to ask guests when they first join. You ready? Yes. All right, cool. So this will just help us get to know you a little bit more. So first is, how do you like to start your day? When I start my day, I like to hug my children and tell them that I love them because every human being has to start the day knowing that somebody loves them. I love that. I love that. Well, I love to know how, you know, different successful people start their day, Mm -hmm. set the tone. Um, And I love what you said. Everybody should start their day knowing their love. So the next thing is, what is a product that you're really loving right now. So it could be a food product. It could be a book. It could be skincare. It could be a crystal, any physical thing. I'm definitely not good at giving quick answers, but, uh, I would love to have a good bookshop that has a lot of English language books. That would be the product I would love. But unfortunately I'm in the country where there are not many English language books. Oh, I, it's funny. Like, I don't even think about that, but that's true. Right. So you mm-hmm. don't have, but do you, do you speak the language? Yeah, of course. Of course. But mm-hmm. I like reading books in the original language because then nothing is getting lost in the translation. So, Fair. um, a lot of authors are English language, first language. So yes, mm-hmm. I, I miss English language books or to, to be more precise, a variety, a wide variety of English. Language yeah. Books. Do you have a favorite book, like a book that comes to mind that really, really Yes, inspired you. I have quite a few favorite books, but they're all classics from about hundred years ago. So, like what? My, one of my absolute favorite is *Master and Margarita* by Bulgakov. It's oh. uh, uh, kind of famous novel, at least in my part of the world. And mm-hmm. then uh, I love a few more. For example, uh, *Lewis Carroll*, *Alice in Wonderland*, and uh, *Through the Looking Glass*. Both are amazing. Yes, uh, and I am absolute fan of Jane Austen's. I've known, I know all her novels almost by heart. Oh, I love that. Well, my favorite book is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Oh so. yeah, I love it too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. So, all right, cool. Next, what is a topic that you're really into right now? Something you're excited about, you're thinking about, you're learning about, you're exploring? Well, uh, I feel ashamed, but I was reading about psychopathy, uh, psycho, uh, psych psychopaths I can't oh. that word. Psychopaths. And, yes and manipulation and um I, I've been it's it's not like a, a huge interest of mine but mm-hmm. at this current moment I'm very curious and I've been studying it a little bit so, so yeah there you go we might have to circle back to that I think it's very <laughs> it's very interesting I was reading um one of your posts about lying that I definitely wanted to touch on too because it is very interesting. I studied psychology um, in college and I just, we can make sense of a lot of things in the world when we, when we dive into that for sure. So we might have to get back into the line. Um, Okay. Lastly, do you know your astrology or your Enneagram? Yes, I know my astrology, but I don't do tests normally. And I only know astrology because (laughs) it's in your face. I'm a Sagittarius. You're a Sagittarius. All right, cool. There we go. Sagittarius. All right. So those are just to you know, get, get to know a little more about you, um, give us some context. And I'm just so excited to, to dive into things because 
your man, your life experience is incredible. And you are the co-founder of Mind Valley and you have your your own business and brand. And you started off like in a very different direction, right? So you were you were working in government, right? Yes. In the very beginning. It was long yeah. time ago. <laughs> in the very beginning. So I would love to hear about what led you there and then how that transitioned into, I believe you moved to New York and that transition. I would love to kind of hear about that, that journey. So it was such an exciting start of an interview. Thank you. I've never experienced anything like that. And I think I gave information, which I didn't think I'd be giving. Amazing. <laughs> yes. My job is done. <laughs> but on some level, it will actually give you a little bit of context. So uh, not only did I start in government, I was born in Soviet Union, which is a country which doesn't exist anymore. And it was a very different, <laughs> it was a different planet. So I ended up working for the government because um, when I was brought up, uh, business wasn't really an option. Uh, in my earlier days, when I was a kid, it was illegal mostly, so you'd end up in jail. But then when Soviet Union collapsed and the system started transitioning from, uh, from well, planned economy to, to free economy, of course, the business wasn't what it is supposed to be. There was a lot of um, darker stuff happening, uh, semi-legal or illegal completely as well, but on a different level. So I was about in my late 20s when I got um, closer, uh, closer contact with uh, entrepreneurship, but in a healthy way as the Western people from the Western countries know it. Um, because until then, I didn't have good examples and role models. There wasn't just anything to, to model or emulate. Uh, so it was actually vision. Uh, I married him when I was 25, uh, who was into entrepreneurship and into business. He always wanted to be his own boss and, and do his own thing. So uh, thanks to him, I kind of got dragged into that world. But I obviously, because, because of where I grew up, I learned something which I thought would give me a good future. So working in the government in a very... Um, plant kind of economy is seems like the right thing to do. That was where, where people uh, made money, <laughs> unfortunately. So um, that's, that's how I ended up in business. It was more, um, more just the circumstances. Why I moved to New York was, uh, well, Vision lived there at that time. And uh, as you have heard, I love uh, literature from about 100 to 200 years ago. So I believe that it's the wife's duty to follow her husband. And, uh, and I found myself in New York uh, having to start from, from nothing. Um, that's that's uh, the early days of my journey and how I ended up in business. Mm. Well, that must have been a stark contrast. Like, how did that feel for you? you know, moving to New York and it, I'm sure it was like a completely different world, like all completely different way of doing things. Like how, how did that feel for you? Um, I think that I didn't look at it from that angle. Mm -hmm. uh, now that I share my story, I sometimes think, wow, that's kind of cool. But when you live your life, uh, life is full of changes and, uh, inconsistencies. And sometimes it's a heel turn sometimes. And uh, if you just take life as it is, it's it's just part of the bargain and it's normal. So I don't think I, I took it in any dramatic way. I love New York, actually. I love the city. So I enjoyed living there. I never asked myself, uh, I, I never wondered uh, that it is so different. Uh, 
but I did have to start from scratch because uh, I learned, I, I studied in Estonia. So uh, when I tried to get uh, a job, I was asked a logical question, where's Estonia? And do you speak English? And uh, what's that school you finished? <laughs> so I had to prove myself from zero again. Uh, so that was, that was a little bit of an interesting experience, especially having made a career for myself in Estonia. It was a little bit of a like, Guys, come on, I've already proven myself once. <laughs> but then if you look at it from a slightly wider point of view, then uh, that's actually the lot of a lot of women, <laughs> even in uh, in the Western civilized <laughs> rich society. Uh, unfortunately, statistics shows that women have to prove themselves over and over again. Uh, our accomplishments don't stick to us. So um, it's just uh, it's just part of life. Changing okay. things are just part of life. But I do agree with you strongly on the idea that sometimes if we are um, growing up and, and continue living in this one uh, society or that, that kind of structure that is there, has been there forever, we are not always conscious of how wide and diverse the world is. And um, you might be puzzled by my Soviet past, but right now I'm a citizen of the world like anybody else. Yet I just lived in Asia for 16 years and that's a completely different world as well. So the country where I'm from doesn't exist anymore, thank God. But there are still places in the world where so much is happening, where there are so many people and they're so different from us, where, you know, we take a lot of things for granted. And me too. I, I am a person from the first world, uh, from the rich world. But uh, it's uh, it's good to know that the world is not just the bubble where you exist. That, that I full-heartedly agree with mm. you. From everywhere you've traveled and lived, is there a place that feels most like home to you? Um, yes, a few places that I really love. New York, as I said, I really love New York. Uh, and I love Edinburgh. <laughs> it's the capital of Scotland. Yeah. Of course, I love Estonia. These are my three top. Okay, love it. Yeah, I'm just curious, you know, because it's not always uh, where people grew up or... There's always those places that just stand out as this feels like home to me. I feel like I belong here. Um, so let's go to, so you're in New York and then how did the idea for Mind Valley come? So Mind Valley is Vision's creation. I was, I just happened to be his wife who <laughs> happened to have the US and uh, I happened to have nothing better to do. So I ended up, as I said, I ended up in Mind Valley and in mm -hmm. business, more or less. Uh, the circumstances took me there. That wasn't my life's choice at mm. that time. Uh, but it is, so it is Vision's creation. He started the company on the side of his regular day job uh, just to get students into his meditation classes. So that story is probably already <laughs> somewhere in the history. <laughs> in the history. Um, but um, the company evolved over years. Uh, it is uh, hugely um, built uh, according to Vision's uh, ideals and values. Uh, mm -hmm. And I do consider myself more of a witness there, although I've been with the company the whole time. Uh, but maybe that's that's just uh, the role I chose for myself uh, to be uh, in the background. Um, so I, I prefer actually not to, not, not to go too deep into that, just because I believe it is Vision's baby. I'm, uh, I'm just a, you know, just a, ju just a person next to him. <laughs> Well, I feel like even if you view yourself more as a witness, I'm sure like even just witnessing something, right? Like you can 
watch a film and it can change your life, right? If you're just witnessing, right? You can, you don't always have to be as involved as other people to have something totally shift you, right? So Mm -hmm. I I imagine being, even if you're a witness, but you're you're still very close, right? Um, I would imagine that you experienced a lot of things that might've like shifted your worldview, opened things up. Um, You know, you're obviously watching a business grow. Like it started from an idea and has turned into something that's huge. so how, like, what did that bring up in you or, or teach you? What were the things that were coming up for you? Were you, were you enjoying it at the time? <laughs> I, I'm mostly enjoying most of my life. That's, <laughs> uh, an important condition. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a really long story now, of course, because mm. we've started a company in 2003. So it's, it's been around for a while and there've been, it's, it's like a, describing a lifetime because there yeah. have been different phases and it's survived a huge evolution. Uh, and uh, yes, the company uh, is Visions Creation, but of course it's my life as well. Uh, even though I don't, I, I usually don't take a lot of credit for it. Um, but uh, it has also changed my life. So everything that I do uh, and everything which is in my life is uh, hugely connected to Mind Valley, or, or because of Mind Valley and because of what we were doing. But then uh, maybe it is a question of uh, uh, chicken and an egg, <laughs> which comes first. Uh, so maybe the company is the way it is because that's the way our lives were. <laughs> or maybe our lives are the way they are because that's how the company uh, was shaped. But um I did end up in business and personal growth and transformation because of that interesting situation in New York. Uh, and um, for a few years, I still was obstinately trying to find my own way. Uh, and I went to study again. I was working for NGOs. I tried to start my own foundation and I did a lot of charity on the side. But then uh, again, by chance, I started um, taking my value to Russian market. Uh, and uh, from there, I just got dragged more and more into the world of mind value and personal growth. Uh, so eventually, uh, I stopped <laughs> trying to find another way, and this became my way. But it's not, you know, it's it's it might sound uh, in a way uh, strange, like I gave up on something, but that's not not how I feel. I actually suddenly uh, felt uh, that that uh, all of this was uh, a subtle way for the universe to take me to the right place. And still, you know, like a um, caring and, and compassionate parent, not, not shocking me too much. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking the whole time you know, as you're talking, you're like by chance, I'm like, it doesn't sound like it's by chance to me. <laughs> you know, it sounds like you're just letting the universe flow, like let you flow to wherever you're meant to be, you know? Um, and it sounds like, I mean, so taking, taking Mind Valley to the Russian market, like that sounds like it's a, a big task. <laughs> you know, it isn't a big like, messy market. <laughs> it, it sounds like a big task. I mean, I'm, I'm actually very curious, um, like just from a business perspective, like I don't even, cause I don't really know anybody who's, who's done that kind of thing, you know? And so it's like, what is required to to take something to that entirely different market? Like, is it all, is it all new content? Is it translation? Um, like, how does that work? 
It's another long story because we uh, created Mindvalley in Russian in 2009, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it's 10 years now. And it's also gone through a, a huge transformation, mostly because when we started localizing Mindvalley, it was a different era uh, in the way we understood. So a lot of localization was done uh, independently from Mindvalley. It was a different era and we were a little obstinate and I used to have a business partner with whom I later parted ways. So for me, that story, the early part of the story is more about me discovering myself as an entrepreneur, as an independent entrepreneur, not a co-founder of Mindvalley and support for Vision, who is the entrepreneur, but actually someone who did things on her own. Although, you know, in the beginning, maybe I did do that to prove something to myself. But later, when I parted ways with my business partner, I, it seemed more natural to me to, to flow back into the main mind valley and to be more of a just... Um, just exactly the same, but just in a different language. So we, we uh, over the 10 years that we've existed, half of that time, we were trying to discover ourselves and, and do something on our own also, because we had this logic that, you know, the market is different. They have different teachers also, and, and uh, they need different approach. But uh, from a big business point of view, it doesn't make sense to invent a wheel again and again. So uh, the last five years, we've been moving towards integration. We still have a little bit of a le legacy where some things are different. And uh, Russian market is the only market that, where Mindvalley exists with a different face from Vision. Because we, we do exist in Spanish and German and French, but this is exactly the same as Mind Valley, and everything is just dubbed and translated. In Russian market, partially because of the history, partially because I am there, uh, it is different. I've even had funny situations where I speak somewhere and then um, somebody asks from the audience, you're such a successful woman, so what is your husband doing? <laughs> your husband <laughs> business. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but uh, that's how it uh, it uh, happened. And yes, in um, in Russian, I'm the face of Mind Valley. <laughs> Uh, but Vision is also, of course, a celebrity there. <laughs> that's the only place where I can claim my turf a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And you're and you're actively that, that's like you're actively doing that right now, right? So it's a big part uh, of your life. Yes, it 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 is always there. It will stay there probably. Uh, but it's much more an autopilot. I'm uh, I'm a you know partially I don't co comment on a lot of business things because I'm not uh, the kind of uh, entrepreneur who likes to be plugged into day to day business. I do attend certain meetings and I take decisions, and I'm the one who is willing to take the risk and to, to you know to stick my neck <laughs> out. But uh, running or managing things or executing stuff is not. Not really what I enjoy doing. So with um, with Russian business, um, well, if you want to go a little bit in in depth, uh, I started as an entrepreneur and I had a business partner and we did everything by ourselves. She she was also from Estonia, so similar background to me. Uh, not many role models in terms of business. We uh, went into something we didn't have a, any idea what we were doing. <laughs> Neither Russia, because you see, I'm from Estonia. I don't even know Russia very well. I speak Russian language well, but that's that's as far as it goes. Um, and we didn't know what we were doing. And our business partners were telling us, you guys, you girls are crazy, but okay, okay, have fun if you want. But we were wonder children and we actually succeeded really well. The problem was that me and my business partner had very different mentality in business and we had to part ways at some point. Uh, so uh, when we parted ways, uh, 
it it just like everything good in life it coincided with a lot of other curious and interesting things um in 2014 russia and ukraine went for, into war and there was a massive economic crisis uh, so russia went through such insane um inflation that uh, i remember uh i remember one uh, marketing campaign we were trying to do and from monday to thursday uh, the prices dropped like four times because of inflation wow. so monday to thursday yes it was uh, it was interesting economically speaking it was a very curious experience that is only possible in developing markets uh ukraine was in uh, just as bad a state and then there was also war and it just coincided with our finances being in a very uh messy spot and uh, we lost one of our biggest partners and i just stopped seeing eye to eye with my business partner i mean we we had issues uh, coming but that was probably the you know the trying times just made it almost impossible so um I remember one day I was thinking you know I'd rather I'd rather go bankrupt and be happy than keep the struggle going uh, and I suggested we parted ways uh, so I discovered myself alone in business <laughs> in a broken market with broken business uh, at this at the point where I only had um uh, I only had uh, pieces of what it used to be on my hands and huge debts uh to myself fortunately <laughs> i was loaning money to business but i, I was in, in huge loss um and um and i started the way i ended the previous uh, phase as in you know i rolled up the sleeves and did the dirty job <laughs> dirty work uh but at some point i suddenly felt that maybe that's not my way and now that i'm by myself maybe i can do it my way and my way is different and that's when i rediscovered myself as an entrepreneur my business the way it is and then i discovered a lot of other things but what i know about myself is that i don't like execution and when i found someone else to do the work <laughs> suddenly suddenly things started turning way better and my style is just very uh, different from a lot of other people i like to find people who who share my passion and can do the work independently preferably and let them do that because what my job is is i'm willing to take the risk i'm willing to be the visionary i'm willing to be the face but if you can spare me of doing the daily business i'll be uh the best entrepreneur you can <laughs> you can have all right friends we need to have a serious talk because if you are not already on the organify train this is the time to say yes to yourself to say organify is an important part of my daily life would be an extreme understatement. Let me tell you, let me tell you what you need to get your hands on. The green juice. Start every morning with this. It is a delicious minty green juice packed with 11 superfoods, amazing for naturally detoxifying the body, boosting your energy naturally without the caffeine, 100% USDA certified organic, amazing for opening up the heart space, the heart center. All you do is mix it with some water. You can also add in some nut milk if you want tastes like a yummy, delicious, creamy shamrock drink. I don't even know. So freaking good. And you will notice that natural boost in energy and over time that detoxification support. It has incredible ingredients like moringa, ashwagandha, spirulina, chlorella, all of the things that I try and get in every single day, all in one convenient product that I just have to mix with water because I used to juice and then I got tired and it became a pain in my butt. Next up, red juice tastes like a delicious 
berry fruit punch that doesn't have all of the added crap or sugar. It's so good. You just mix it with water. This is amazing pre-workout, post-workout, contains beets, acai, cordyceps, Siberian ginseng, all that good stuff for natural energy. And then in the evening, when you want to wind down and relax, any of the gold options you cannot go wrong with. This time of year, chocolate gold is available. And if you don't have your hands on chocolate gold, it is so freaking good. You need to get your hands on it. It is healthy hot chocolate mixed with golden milk. You just add in warm water. It is so freaking delicious. It's one of my favorite products of all time. There is also the pumpkin spice, which I am obsessed with. Whatever floats your boat, chocolate, pumpkin spice, the regular gold, but all of these contain so many incredible, calming, relaxing ingredients, including reishi mushroom, which is super grounding, amazing for supporting rest and relaxation and boosting the immune system. There is turkey tail mushroom, which is incredible for supporting the immune system. Great for supporting digestions as well. Has some antiviral properties too. Magnesium chloride. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals in the body required for over 300 biochemical reactions. This is great for supporting relaxation, relieving anxiety, aiding in recovery, decreasing any body aches. These are key for my daily routine. Having my little nightcap calms me down, relaxes me, and allows me to sleep like a baby. If you want to get your hands on any Organifi products, you truly cannot go wrong, but those are some of my faves and definitely the chocolate gold because it's limited edition. Then just head to Organifi.com slash CTC for 15% off. That is Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash CTC. And that code CTC will get you 15% off. I know there are a lot of people that feel the same way. And a lot of people who feel that way, sometimes they think, oh, I can't be an entrepreneur because of that. And that's, that's not true. I was just having this conversation with somebody yesterday. And I told this person, I said, it was like, they were, they, I could feel the resistance and the dread about all of these things they were telling themselves they had to do to build their business because this person is the, is the founder. And I said, look, people build businesses in all different types of ways. And I know many people who have built very successful businesses by being really good at hiring and they don't, Mm -hmm. they don't execute anything. They don't touch anything. And sometimes they don't even know how anything works depending on the business itself, you know, and like being able to hire really well is, is a really great skill, you know? So I would love to hear like from your perspective as somebody who's, I don't, you know, you don't really like the execution. If anybody's listening and they're, they're saying, I feel the same way. Like, what should I be focusing on? How do I move forward from that? What, what, what would, what would you tell them? You know, if, uh, I think I'm, I've always been a little bit too much of less as fair type of person. I trust the process. Uh, I love it. You, as you were explaining that I did catch myself thinking, but I didn't struggle or suffer when I had to do the execution, when I had mm. my business partner and I did marketing, marketing was my part. She did some other parts of, of business. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. And I think I'm good at that. That's the interesting thing. So I enjoyed doing it. I was good at that, but uh, there are degrees better than good. (laughs) And and that I didn't realize. So uh, because I was a a straight A student and a perfectionist, you know, I call it Hermione's syndrome. (laughs) You give me any task, I'll figure it out. Uh, so obviously it's, it's ambitious, uh, people, we, we are all similar in that sense. Uh, we can do anything, whatever you throw at us, we'll figure it out. We can do it. And probably we can do it really, really well. 
<laughs> and very likely even better than a lot of people who dedicate their lives to that. That's just the nature of uh, ambitious people, ambitious visionary people. They figure things out. And uh, it took me actually a lot of, uh, um, I wouldn't say that self-searching per se, but coming to peace with, uh, with things about me. Uh, so um, I'll go back to that time when I uh, parted ways with my business partner. First of all, it took me too long to part ways with her because I was afraid to be alone in business. You know, it's easier. You might not even get any real support from your partner, but just knowing that you're not alone in it kind of helps. Uh, but then uh, when we parted ways finally, and I felt very inspired uh, to do things on my own, uh, I was determined for quite a long time. I know what I'm doing. I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to do things she wasn't willing to do. Uh, but then about a year into that story, I was starting to get confused. Am I doing the right thing? Why is it still a dark tunnel? And how long is it going to last? And then the next year, and I think I'm doing the right things and uh, I'm doing the best I can, but still it's a long, dark tunnel. And what do you do? Do you keep going or do you turn back or you, do you make a step, uh, a few steps back and see a door next to it, right? We have so many beautiful metaphors, you know, keep digging or, or Take a few steps back and see a door just one meter to the side. But that's not how it works in real life. In real life, all you see is this long, dark tunnel and you're sure if you're being persistent or pig-headed idiot. So uh, I kept uh, moving, but uh, at some point, I guess, uh, I was forced to, uh, to, to trust other people to do things. And uh, it just happened so that uh, I, as I said, I had to be honest with myself and come to peace with certain things. I suddenly realized that uh, some people might do my work better, not because they're smarter or in any way, but because they enjoy it better. That's more natural to them. And uh, even if they can't do it better, at least they, they had peace doing it. And uh, it took a little bit of training, but I started giving up everything. And later I came to the point where I decided that the only thing I'm going to do in my business is the thing that only I can do and no one else. If somebody else can do a job, I let them do it, even if I might be better at doing it. But uh, if someone else can do it, I let them do that because my time is something which is limited and uh, there, there is no other way to buy yourself time but to give your job away to someone else. And it might sound, sound funny, but you see, there are things which no one can replace me in, but I don't have to do the day-to-day -day running. That there are people who can do that better than me. And um, I compare that. So I've been in business for a long time. So I've worked with a lot of people. And uh, I think it's like um, it's like washing gold. <laughs> to find your gold nuggets, you have to go through a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I hope it doesn't sound too rude, but from, through a lot of mud. Yeah. And, <laughs> It's true. And that, that's how it works. You just keep working with different people. As some of them uh, stay on the sieve, and you you realize their gold nuggets, and you hold on to them, and you uh, try to make it work with these people so that they stay with you. Uh, and some of the people who have worked with me have been with me for ten years, and that's actually uh, a, a very unusual thing nowadays uh, in our current time. Uh, and uh, and others uh, can move through quickly. You will find your gold nuggets all over time. I've worked with 
hundreds of people. So obviously I only have a handful of those that I would like to keep by my side until the end of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's really helpful. And it's like, you know, I think that stage in business highlights the con- the control issues that come up for a lot of people because they don't want to lose control and they're afraid to let somebody else uh, do it when, you know, to your point, some people can, can do it better. They enjoy it. And really, you know, if you want to scale something, you can't, you know, have your hands on every single thing. It's just not what's best for, for the business or the mission really. Right. Um, in, in my opinion, it's like when you have more hands in it, you can do more. Right. Um, and knowing your role and staying in your role. And I think sometimes people get discouraged when they hire or outsource and it's not necessarily the perfect fit. And then they use that as evidence mm. to their brain. Oh, see, told you I could, I can't give this to anybody else when really it's like, it's just kind of the process. And every time you learn, you, you learn more that then you have more information for the next person that you hire for it to probably be a better fit, you know? So I think that's really helpful that, that you share that experience. You, you did mention one very important thing. You said, uh, the, the, that, um, uh, that mindset with which you're going to do that, if you are going to try it out to uh, get proof that it doesn't work for you, that's what is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and it is because uh, it's, uh, you know, in, scientifically speaking, and since you know psychology you would know, it's reticular activating system. That's how our brain works. Our goal defines our perception. So if we want to find proof of something, we're going to see that in very simple example, a very cliche example is if you're buying a certain car, you will see a lot of that car on the streets where before you haven't noticed that. It is actually a cycle. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenon, the way our brain works. Uh, so if, And it doesn't work just for cars. If you're going to try to delegate so that you can later say to yourself or to anyone else that you see it doesn't work, that's the experience you're going to get because you're going to seek it out subconsciously and you're going to notice it. And uh, there are very simple examples, uh, exercises to prove that it works. But it's so important to remember that because whichever whichever statement you choose to adopt, you're going to find proof to that. Uh, I I love this uh, phrase by one of our authors, um, Eric Edmeets. He says, beliefs are viruses that feed on evidence. So you choose which statement you want to verify. You don't have to say it's my belief if you don't believe in that yet. But just realize that whichever belief you take and you go out into the world, you're going to verify it and you're going to find proof. And it is ridiculous because sometimes like you want to find proof that... uh, I don't know, whichever, whichever funny contradictory thing we might pick, uh, whichever topic you take, whatever you want to find proof of, you will find proof of that, what you set your mind on. So uh, if you want to really try uh, to let other people uh, run things for you, then go into it with the desire to find proof that your business actually doesn't need you on a day-to-day basis. Yes, it needs you, but in a different capacity. And I I did, uh, I do not know how many um, in your audience are women, but I've I've hired a lot of nannies for my children because I lived in Asia for a long time. So (laughs) that's part of the bargain. So you see, if I could trust my children to a person who's not my family, who I don't know really well, trusting my business was uh, (laughs) a piece of cake for me. That's fair. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) 
That makes sense. Most of my audience is women. So I'm sure people can, can relate to that. Um, but I wanted to say the yeah. scary thing, uh, you know, as much as we love our children and we hope that they depend on us, but there is this phenomenon where kids have growth spurts when their parents are leaving them with, let's say grandparents or someone else, when they're getting out of their way for a short while. So it works with children and believe it or not, but it works with business. Yes, you might think that if you leave your business for a month, it will crumble and fall to pieces, but probably not. And most likely what will happen that when you come back, yes, you'll have to clear, clear up some mess, but you'll actually notice things you didn't know before. So it is healthy for your business, like it is healthy for your children to fr from time to time to be deprived of your parental care. But not, and again, there are no absolutes in this world. It doesn't mean that you have to leave your business behind and disappear for two years. I'm saying healthy periods of time. Mm, yeah. Well, I think that this um, goes really well into the conversation around happiness, which I know you've talked about a lot and you've gotten into the, the science of a lot. And um, I, I would love for you to explain how how like the like confirmation bias right how, how does that affect happiness uh well um uh i, I i'm not sure if i'm catching exactly where you want mm -hmm. to take uh, me uh, me to take the conversation but uh if we're talking we were just talking about business which mm -hmm. uh is measured in very classical and simple terms as success <laughs> and yes, happiness is my topic, although I've almost, I don't think I've ever spoken about happiness in connection to business, uh, except for oh, the, cool. the, the happy company culture. But there is research that shows that uh, despite all odds, <laughs> we know that success doesn't bring you happiness, but there's research that shows that you're much more likely to achieve success if you uh, operate in the state of happiness. So in that sense, happiness is important to business. Uh, but um, I have, because I haven't talked about that in that context, so uh, it is a new territory for me as well. What I can tell from my previous experiences, when I, um, when I first felt uh, that I was dreading going to the office to meet my uh, business partner of, of a long time ago, um, and I did that because I knew that I had business to run. I had employees, I had clients, I had partners. I had uh, people who depended on me getting my, excuse my language, shit together and going to the office and doing it despite my moves. It took me three years uh, to realize that that's not uh, an optimal mode of operation. And for three years, I was telling myself this beautiful story that I'm sacrificing my personal happiness for the sake of something bigger than myself which is my business and my mission and whatever am I doing. Uh, and uh, it was um, somewhere in that period of time where uh, on a side note, in a different, uh, different conversation, I got to uh, talk to Dalai Lama and uh, I asked him a question that was pressing on my mind at that time. Uh, I used to work with, with refugees in Malaysia and saw a lot of tragedy and I asked him, um, how can I, how can I, uh, 
like how can I pursue happiness? Because we Mind Valley is essentially a company that helps people to live happy lives. You can call them fulfilled, meaningful, extraordinary, but essentially it's about helping people to be happy. And on the other hand, I was having my own struggles uh, with my business partner. And on top of that, I used to see a lot of human tragedy because I used to work with refugees with UN. Uh, and I asked Dalala, I can't, like, I have constant conflict in my head. How can I talk about happiness when I know there is uh, suffering in the world? How can I, um, you know, how how can I uh, sacrifice my happiness, right, for the sake of my business, which is about happiness? He said, Christina, you can't help anyone if you're not happy. So I knew deep inside that I have to be happy. And this situation where I sacrifice my own well-being for something bigger is not right. But the story was too good. You're doing it for something bigger than you. Until one day I realized that I'm not doing it for something bigger than me. I'm doing it for my own fear. Because there is, uh, I get the idea of, of uh, risking your life for something bigger, for ideals. But it is not happening usually for most of us. It's not happening on a daily basis. It happens uh, very seldom. In my experience, it happened when the Soviet Union was collapsing and the new country was being born. And the next big shift in the world is happening right now, <laughs> where sometimes you have to maybe sacrifice your personal interests for, uh, for, for, the, for the big ideals, but it doesn't happen on a daily basis. On a daily basis, what happens is that sacrificing your own happiness for something bigger than you and for a good ideal is actually a bloody lie, which you tell yourself because you're too afraid to change something in your life. You're too afraid to... Um, to, to do something that people won't agree with or disagree, you know? So you sacrifice your happiness, you stay in an unhealthy marriage because you, you do it for the sake of your children. You stay in a painful business relationship because you do it for the sake of your uh, customers. Uh, you uh, sacrifice your happiness because you do it for the sake of not making someone feel uncomfortable in your presence. It's not a big ideal. It's not the change of the regime. It's, it's status quo and not rocking a boat. So when I uh, had the courage to tell myself and when just being coward, <laughs> it was clear that there was no other way. I could not keep being unhappy. And for me to stop being unhappy and to stop dreading going to the office was, uh, th th there was one very simple uh, solution. I had to part ways with my business partner and face the fear. But fear at that point was way better than uh, this constant misery of hating what I was doing. Wow, that was so powerful. And I feel like I'm sure so many people are listening think, oh, that was it. That, that, that hit me right there, right? She just called me out because it, it's true, you know, and I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think this is, you know, really relevant right now for a lot of people. And I hear it a lot. It's where, you know, how can I be happy when all of this is going on? Um, I hear that, that phrase a lot, you know, I, and I just feel like you put that so beautifully because it's true. It's like, it, there's a nuance to that conversation, right. And is, are, are we actually helpful to anybody, including ourselves and other people, if we're not happy, right. I know I'm more efficient, more productive, more inspired, more motivated. Um, I'm a better friend and partner and coach and, you know, whatever, everything when I'm happy you know, and it's true. It's a, it's a lot of the fear. I do think a lot of people get blocked even like they might recognize, okay, yeah, I'm afraid of, 
I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid of somebody not agreeing with me, of upsetting somebody, whatever it is, but they still get blocked right there. Mm-hmm. Do you have any well, recommendations you, if you know, people are the stuck thing, there? The thing is that uh, we often tell ourselves we are doing it for the people that we love. And the truth is that they're not blind and they're not stupid. <laughs> and you, if you have uh, someone in your life who you've known for as long as you can remember, you probably can tell their state of mind and their state of emotions just by the way they breathe, just by the way they 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 sit. <laughs> my mom sometimes laughs at me. She walks into, I'm standing with my back to her. She will walk into the kitchen and she does something. And then I'm like, mom, why are you upset? She's like, you know me too well. You can even tell from the way I'm, like, <laughs> I'm breathing. It's true. Of course yeah. I know. We know that about each other. And then on the other hand, if you ask yourself, what do you want for the person that you love the most? You usually, like for yourself, you can say anything. I want to have meaning. I want to have whatever. But when it's someone you love, you usually say, I want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. That's like, if those who have children, they, you, you guys will get it. What do we want most for our children? We want them to be happy. Of course, yes, we do have our ideas. And we think that our children will be happy only if they do as we tell them. But ultimately, we want them to be happy. So when you sacrifice your happiness for the sake of the people that you love, you're lying to yourself. It's a delusion. Because they're going to suffer because you suffer. And yes, they might disagree with what your choice is. But ultimately, they'll be at peace with your choice because your choice is about you. It's not about them. They will have opinion because they care about you, obviously. And that might upset them for a while. But ultimately, they'll be at peace with your choice. And if they're not, it's their own relationship with them, not their relationship with you. And now I'm touching upon very, very deep topic. But the point is that even if, uh, if to, for you to be at peace with yourself means to make an un, unpopular decision, and by unpopular, I mean unpopular with the people that you love the most, you, you know, in the long run, they'll be happy you had done that because they'll have their loved one back, properly back, not a shadow of the loved one, not this broken thing that is trying to keep appearances and trying to keep going and shallow inside, but the real true you, even if it takes a little time and a little of negotiation and then mending things, they will be grateful to have you back. So true. And I feel like this, this reminds me of, I've heard you talk about and I hadn't thought about it this way before, cause I'm not a parent, you know, but you were describing how, you know, a lot of parents will try and do things to keep their kids happy, like kind of shelter them or, you, you know, not wanting them to deal with things that upset yeah. them or make them afraid. And when you were describing, uh, you can articulate it better than me, but you know, something to the effect of you're actually like blocking them for more happiness because when they go through the, the fear or the sadness, it's actually helping them develop skills to, to be in a state of happiness. Like that blew my mind because it, it makes so much sense. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's my theory about how, why, why we don't get happiness because first of all, we don't even understand what it is because when, when we grow up, our parents think that happiness is absence of not think they, they try to prevent us from getting hurt. So, uh, they create this ideal. And while you're a child, it might be plausible, but when you grow up, Obviously, it's it's not it's not achievable, but it's this idea that happiness is absence of discomfort and pain or anything unpleasant. 
And uh, uh, yes, that's that's exactly uh, the, the conclusion out of that is this, in addition to the fact that we misunderstand happiness and equate it to absence of everything unpleasant, we also don't have the functional skills to deal with, with unpleasant things that eventually will happen to us. Mm. So how would you describe happiness to you? <laughs> Um, yes, when I talk about happiness and uh, when I talk about it as a, a separate topic, then I suggest that uh, everybody who listens just has to has to understand what happiness means to them to them because our society doesn't have a clear agreement. Happiness appears in the list of emotions. <laughs> happiness is uh, often um, equated to some kind of uh, a very transient, joyful emotion. Like uh, it's it's almost equated to pleasure and, uh, you know, looking for pleasure. Uh, so obviously that's not helpful. Uh, on the other hand, we do have these idioms about happiness where happiness seems like the prize at the end of the good fairy tale. Uh, so it's, it's not helpful when we don't know what happiness is and it is not helpful if we think that it is not important. Uh, it is extremely unhelpful. And um, I've heard people that I truly respect say that, you know, you can't you can't have happiness as your goal. It has to be a prize or it has to be a side effect. But that's not how life works in any field. If you want good health, you need to prioritize health. If you want good relationships, you need to prioritize relationships. If you want good business, you have to prioritize your business. So how come that if we want happiness, we think that it will just happen? Well, uh, the problem is that some people don't want happiness because they don't even know what it is. Uh, it's as I say, it's a unicorn uh, in the magical forest. We know we we can draw it. We know how it looks, but we've never seen the real thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So my definition of happiness. Um, is that uh, it is a state, it's not an emotion, because emotions are, uh, are volatile by nature, they change. Uh, so if, if you think happiness is an emotion, obviously you'll never have a lasting one. <laughs> no, no emotions ever stick. So for me, it's a state, it's a resourceful state, optimal resourceful state in which I can enjoy life in its every single expression. And my favorite quote about happiness right now is anonymous because it comes from the, <laughs> from the internet. <laughs> and that quote says that happy are those people who are on detour and can still enjoy the scenery. Yeah. And this two years have been a perfect detour. So for me, happiness is about experiencing this life full on 100% and enjoying it uh, in its every single expression. And here I have to explain that sometimes that enjoyment is a little masochistic <laughs> because you, you might get hurt. You might be in a period where you have to put a lot of work, where you have anxiety or you're not sure or there's stress. And can you still go through that period and enjoy the aliveness of it? The way when you come out of the gym and every single muscle in your body hurts and you can't even walk up the stairs because your ass doesn't allow you. And you not, it's physically speaking, it's pain. Objectively, it's physical pain. But you enjoy it because that reminds you of you that you have body, you have muscles, you're capable of moving and you have life going, coursing through yourselves. So by that comparison, by that um, analogy, if you can enjoy your life in its every single expression, 
that's what's happiness for me. Hmm. I love that so much. And I will say, you know, one aspect when I think about happiness, I, I, uh, totally resonate with thinking like it's a state, you know, and I feel like my first experience, like of happiness as my state, it was through co- contrast where I grew up and I, I struggled with pretty severe depression and, um, anxiety for like the first 20 years of my life. And the way I described it was, it felt like there was always a rain cloud above me. And I felt this heaviness and there would be times when I would smile and I would laugh and things would be okay. But I felt this, this, this cloud over me still the whole time. It felt like that was just always there. And then when I was about 20 and I, a lot of things shifted and I made changes in my life and, uh, I felt myself, it was like, I moved out from under that cloud and there was sun always above me. And I would still have days where, you know, things sucked and things were hard and, it was painful. And, but at the end of the day, there was still the sun above me, you know, um, that was like the overall state and then things were happening underneath. And I don't know if that explanation resonates with anybody listening, but that was kind of like how I ex- experienced it, you know? So, and, and I will say when you're talking about, you know, if we want health, we focus on health. Like w- why is it that we don't do that with happiness? And I, I know that I hear from a lot of people why not pursue happiness? Because they, they have a belief that, uh, well, they feel guilty for doing that. Like a lot of people have beliefs around like, that's not okay. Right. Or I'm being selfish. If my goal is happiness, right. Mm-hmm. They, they have that belief. What would you say to somebody who feels that coming up for them? Like, I feel like it's selfish for me to, to go after happiness and for that to be my goal. Well, uh, I, I do think that there are different reasons why people uh, would say that don't pursue happiness. And there are a lot of uh, like famous quotes about that. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the deeper reasons is because happiness is being equated to uh, emotion and to, to chasing pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which case, yes, I agree, don't chase pleasure. <laughs> but uh, we have to define what happiness is. When it comes to uh, selfishness, then um, no. Uh, do you think that being healthy is selfish or that uh, having love in your life is selfish or having a mission or, or, uh, well, mission probably is selfish, right? You are doing something which you really enjoy. (laughs) Well, the thing is that um, we misunderstand selfishness as well. Uh, If you understand happiness as um, as uh, an aspect of health, you can talk about emotional well-being. Essentially, that's also, in a way, happiness. Uh, the, the, there are studies which which try to to look at happiness from a more psychological point of view. You know, like the positive affect and and, and positive bias and all of that. Uh, so, if you look at happiness as uh, as uh, an aspect of emotional health or emotional well-being, then being happy is more the question of your uh, of your health than of of your be of you being selfish. But when it comes to the idea of selfishness is, uh, itself, and I won't uh, and I won't tie it to happiness per se. I can tie it also to what we were talking about. You know. Um, are you willing to stop sacrificing your happiness for someone else, for your loved ones? Uh, you might say like, no, but that will be selfish. Like, why would I put myself above uh, above what my loved ones think? Well, the truth is that we don't even understand the healthy self-love. We think that there is such a thing as too much self-love. If you love yourself too much, you'll be egocentric. You'll be selfish. 
But that's not how I see self-love. I think uh, it's the opposite of selfishness. Selfishness is lack of self-love. And because you don't have enough, you need to suck the love and the attention from the outside. And that's what is selfish behavior. When you require special uh, care or like, I don't know, it's probably it's also okay to require special care, but you want to get something out of the world around you because you don't have enough of that. So if you, uh, I was drinking water here, but I've almost drank all of it. But imagine if I had uh, plenty of water, I couldn't pour anything uh, on top of it. So if you have healthy self-love and you're full of it, you will never act selfish because you will not need extra from outside. You'll have enough for yourself and the others. So I think when we understand that selfishness is lack of self-love, selfishness is an expression of uh, certain, um, you know, maybe you, you have issues with yourself. You are not satisfied with yourself. You're not at peace with yourself. Maybe you uh, have certain uh, worries. God, I can't remember this word. It just doesn't come to my head when you are not sure about yourself. <laughs> but that's what selfishness is the symptom of when you're not enough yourself. So I really can't see the connection between happiness and selfishness. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. That's such an amazing explanation. I feel like people are going to be listening and have a completely different perspective on that now. And I've, I've never heard somebody describe self-love that way before. So I really appreciate that. Cause I feel like, I mean, that resonates so, so deeply. Um, and I think just relating back to people talk about self-love all the time. And, uh, I think people misunderstand like what, what that means, you know, and it's, I, you, you touched on my favorite topic, so I'm sorry if I'll just jump yeah, into that. But please do. <laughs> I, I believe that our conversation about self-love is skin deep yeah. most of the time. And by skin deep, I actually uh, like this expression because we think that going for a massage or a facial or uh, even finding time for yourself and meditating a little bit, it's self-care. Self-love is relationship with yourself. It's very different thing. You can do a lot of self-care and self-care can become self-obsessed and maybe selfish occasionally. If you go shopping with your, I don't know, someone's credit card <laughs> because you've run out of your own money or something like that. But self-love is relationship with yourself. Oscar Wilde said it the best. He said, love for yourself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. But I know he, he's always, uh, he, he used to always make all these jokes, but the truth is that it is. So you, when you talk about love uh, towards another person, unless your love language is, uh, I don't know, uh, gifts or, or hacks of service, uh, you usually, when you talk about love towards someone, you, you talk about relationships, you talk about, um, you know, how, how do I take you? Is it unconditional? Do I love you because of certain qualities or do I love you despite anything that we, we talk about? A human being and our um, our relation to that human being. We don't talk about what we do to that person when we talk about love. Yet when we talk about love to ourselves, we can't go beyond how much time I spent with myself and on myself. How do you? How much do you know yourself? Can you love a person if you don't know the person? It's infatuation, right? Can you love yourself if you don't even know yourself? 
If you don't, if you don't have the courage to take the flashlight and and uh, shine it into the darkest corners of your being, and see what's hiding there, and if you see what's hiding there, which kind of dragons are sitting there and looking back at you? Can you still take yourself the way you are and love yourself unconditionally and be at peace with yourself with all your dragons? When it it's easy for me to connect, compare it to love towards a child because it's the it's the closest to unconditional love that we experience naturally. But you see, when I uh, when I, I figured it out on my body just recently, I was thinking, oh, I love my body, but I could lose this these many kilos. Do I love my body, or is it a conditional love? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I look at my child who, by the way, has Asperger's, do I look at him and think, oh, if only he didn't have Asperger's, I would really love him. No, I love him with it, not despite, with it, for it. Can I love myself not despite my dragons, but because of them? Can I love my body not despite it's not, it's still keeping the extra kilos that I think it should lose? We are so skin deep sometimes in our self-love that we don't even understand the meaning of it. And then, of course, we, we, we get we, we start talking about selfishness. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I have like full body chills. It's it's so true. And I I'm <laughs> I know that people are going to be listening to this and being like. It seems so simple, but it, it's like a misunderstanding of the phrase itself, right? Like, what is self-love? Um, and isn't it interesting how we have to look at how we would like treat other people in order to, to prioritize like how are we treating ourselves? And I will say, um, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people who radiate self-love and they don't actually even spend that much time on themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause it's a, it's a state of being, right. It's just like, you're in the relationship all the time. You're with yourself all the time. And how are you showing up? How are you moving through the, the world? How do you see yourself? What are you saying to yourself? Um, so yeah. Wow. That was so powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I actually, before we wrap up, I kind of want to return back to, I feel like this is going to tie in somehow, but I want to go back to the psychopath thing. It's <laughs> 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 because I'm curious. Like, I feel like that was a good, a good spot to wrap up, but I'm just very curious. Um, and kind of like the lying conversation too, because I think that's just very interesting exploration. <laughs> um, and I know you're, you're like the everyday philosopher around this. So I'm curious, like in, in what you've been reading about, um, what's popping up for you around how, how you see things playing out just like with human behavior in general, just any insights. So, uh, lying actually was a part of different research. I think I'm going to go deeper into lying as well. I just try to understand the, uh, the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, uh, because I'm not a huge fan of absolutes of uh, black and white of uh, demonizing certain aspects and uh, romanticizing another aspect because everything, literally everything in this world is so interconnected. So if you love light, you can't hate dark because the light only exists because there is this duality. So the same with lying, I actually think um, we uh, misunderstand the phenomenon. And when we misunderstand the phenomenon, we uh, can't, have a healthy relationship with it. So lying, I'm going to keep researching. And why am I saying we misunderstand phenomenon? I'm sure a lot of people are like, what? Lying is just lying. No, uh, think of, uh, of the everyday lies we use. Apparently we lie much more often than we think. 
like when when you're being greeted, somebody says hello. What do you say? If you say uh, oh, sorry, not hello. How do you do? Uh, if you say oh, what's up? <laughs> if you say the truth. It's usually socially unacceptable or weird. So uh, it's it's just uh, when I heard that example, I was like, yeah, actually, it's really interesting. That lying is such a part of our culture. Uh, being polite is often uh, about not telling the truth or not being completely honest. And I actually believe that honesty is one of the most important virtues that we can have and one of the most important skills. But still, we, with that said, we should not misunderstand the nature of lying. But um, Psychopathy, I can't pronounce that word, psychopaths yeah. <laughs> came into the picture in a different story altogether. Uh-huh. I was in, a, you know, I'm deprived of English language books and I was flying through the airport in Germany and I saw a little bookstore and I was like, yeah, new English language books I haven't seen. <laughs> so I grabbed a whole bunch of books and one of them was about psychopaths. Um, and I just finished reading it. Uh, it was an interesting read, but uh, I think, uh, so I grabbed it because I'm just very interested in manipulation and the way people manipulate other people and uh, psychopaths are actually master manipulators. Uh, but uh, here I have to confess, it is my personal pain because I have, um, I have um, been uh, under the influence of uh, a manipulative person and uh, been hurt deeply. Uh, and uh, it took uh, me a while and uh, a fairly long separation to for the fog to clear. So I guess the universe is now throwing the answers <laughs> my way. <laughs> and as I was reading the book, I was thinking like, oh, no, <laughs> it can't be true. Uh, so it's, it's, a personal, uh, it's a personal pain that makes me curious in this topic. Mm. Well, I'm sorry to go through that, but I'm sure, I mean, was that helpful? Was that helpful for you reading the book? Uh, yes. And a little scary <laughs> because, uh, a lot of things uh, suddenly made sense. You know, uh, some people, and I'm one of them who like to make sense out of things. Mm-hmm. Most of us, like our brain works this way. We want to make sense, but other people don't get stuck to that. I, uh, stick, uh, like if I can't explain certain things, I'll start thinking about them. So reading this book was helpful because some of the behavior suddenly made sense. And I was like, oh, wow. And that, that is always helpful. Uh, when you understand, when you get the diagnosis, it makes it easier. Your brain kind of lets go of the information, which is not necessary. I can let go of that experience now because I don't, you know, I don't turn it over in my head and try to make sense of it anymore. Uh, it was uh, a while ago, so I, it's um, the experience wasn't pleasant and I wouldn't want it again. Uh, and it wasn't necessary, strictly speaking, but it was part of my journey. And I guess it's part, partially uh, to blame in for my uh, interest in, uh, psychology. So mm-hmm. thanks. Thanks to this experience. I read psychology, but, uh, yeah, I, I think every single human being can, uh, live a happy, fulfilled life without having crossed paths with, um, compulsive manipulators and narcissists. Let's hope so. Although I will say, <laughs> you know, when I, when I was studying this stuff at, in college, I remember thinking this and it was a topic of conversation in in class. And we like, we're learning about the, you know, DSM, like, how does this diagnose? Like, and being like, I feel like a lot more people have these things, like could be diagnosed with this than are, you know? So it's, it's very interesting to learn about the more like clinical, um, 
you know, definition and as opposed to people just throwing out that term and. Um, well, the, the, that book actually does claim that quite a lot of people are uh, showing the signs of that. But I yeah. guess like with any uh, any of those diagnoses, you can't really uh, just slap diagnosis on people. That's why I'm not saying that. Oh, I'm, yeah, you can. I'm yeah. experienced with psychopath, although somewhere deep inside the, the little bitch in me says like, yeah, you psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're hilarious <laughs> well you know the universe will always lead you to the insight that you need so <laughs> i don't i don't think it was coincidence you found that book in your your little shop in germany um that's so great i was just gonna ask i'm like are you well i imagine actually probably with with um all the people you're connected with like you do you speed read are you a really fast reader Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you're not? That's not my thing. I have a very curious relationship with the books. First of all, I like my books on paper. Mm-hmm. I don't have a Kindle and I don't like reading on the screen unless I have to do it for research. Uh, and then time is important. So I'll, I'll do that when I have to. But if I can, for example, I was uh, I was looking for a book uh, by Viktor Frankl uh, for years. I really wanted to buy it, but I just couldn't come across it. And then finally, when I got it, I read it. But I waited for years to read the book because I wanted the book on paper. And uh, another curious thing, I read word by word by word. I don't skip unless the book gets boring. And and again, if I read it for some other purpose, I might skip. It's not interesting. But I don't skip. And if I I read and I daydream, I'll come back and I reread, especially my favorite authors, uh, like Bronte, by the way. I also love her. Uh, I I would read and certain passages, if I didn't get the juice out of it, I'll read again. Mm -hmm. That's how I read, slowly. I'm, I'm I'm very similar. Um, I have a lot of people around me who are very fast and they just, you know, what are the hacks to get through? Um, but I like to soak it in. I guess it all, it all is in your intention, right? Like if it's something I have, I have another hack. I think very fast. (laughs) I don't need to read fast. I get information so fast (laughs) without, you know, I, I get information from everywhere. I read between the lines. I don't really need to read fast. I read for enjoyment. There we go. Well, I love that. It's little things. You probably have an, you have probably have a spectacular book collection. Yes, but I my internet broke downstairs, so I'm not. Uh, usually, I record downstairs in my library with oh. real books at my, on the background. <laughs> but that's my 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 parents' library. My library is left behind in Malaysia. But now, instead, I'm having uh, it in my music room. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, woman of many talents. I love it. Amazing. <laughs> this is so fun. This is so fun. And I, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, um, but this was just so incredible. And I really, really appreciate your time and everything that you shared with us. And I know people are going to get a lot out of this uh, and I'm sure they're going to want to learn more from you. So can you just remind everyone where they can connect with you and learn more from you? So, of course, Mind Valley is the place where I'll suggest people go. I'm one of the authors there, so you might have to wait for a few weeks before you <laughs> see news from, from me. <laughs> if you want to connect uh, to me directly, then uh, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, that's where I post personally, although I haven't been posting much lately because I'm uh, finishing up my my book manuscript and I write so much that I... It's exciting. Somehow- I think my brain has moved from short form to long form and I have been skipping my posts, unfortunately. I'll I'll try to do better. But that's where you find me. All right. 
<laughs> All right. Amazing. Well, we'll put your links in, in the show notes and I'm sure people will be very, I'm excited for, for your book whenever that's coming out. Um, so I'll have to keep an eye out on it. Uh, and yeah, thank you again so much. This was incredible. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And you, you, you asked such cool uh, and unexpected questions. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> huge thank you to Christina for coming on the podcast. I am sure you guys love that as much as I did. I had so much fun chatting with her. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to take a screenshot and share it to social media. You can tag me at Christina, the channel and at Christina, the channel pod, and also tag Christina at Christina Mand. So you can head over to her Instagram if you would like to learn more from her. And you can also head to her website, christinamand.com. All of those links will be in the show notes below. That is it for today's episode. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time.